Hey Driven Mofos, if you ever want to have the video version of this podcast, which usually has more effects, visuals, graphs, and helps you to retain more of the information that I share, then check out my YouTube channel. I also share bonus in-depth training behind the scenes from some of our live events, plus interviews from some of the country's most successful people. So if you haven't already subscribed to my YouTube channel, then check it out via the link in the description of the podcast. Remember to subscribe to get the latest stuff. Despising others isn't necessarily going to help you to get what you want, but you can use it as valuable feedback to help you to improve your management, leadership, and communication skills. This podcast, The Underestimated Entrepreneur, is for the driven mofos out there who are driven to achieve more in life and business. After studying 1,457 of the world's most successful people in different fields and spending over $1 million on coaches, consultants, and seminars, I wanna share with you the key learnings, lessons, tips, tools, and strategies that have not only made them super successful, but have also allowed me to go from the kid who was put into special classes, getting kicked out of school and wanting to end my life, to becoming the mental performance coach to some of the country's most successful people and helping me to grow multiple businesses. I want to help all of those out there who have been underestimated to prove their doubt is wrong and to help them to achieve more than they could possibly imagine. I hope you enjoy. In this episode, I'm gonna be talking about how to understand why you despise others and the feedback that it's giving you to help you to improve your management, leadership, and communication skills. Driven mofos, welcome back to another episode of The Underestimated Entrepreneur. For those of you who don't know who I am, I'm Michael Mojo, founder of Mojo Human Performance Institute, and also Mojo Business Multiplier. The reason why I do these episodes is that most people waste their life, and I just don't want you to be one of them. All right, let's get into feeling that shitty feeling that most of us feel from time to time, which is where we start to despise others or we start resenting them. Now, I wanted to talk about this because the other day I was going out for a walk and I'd noticed that a lot of the lawns around the area where I live, now I live in quite a nice area of Adelaide, and I noticed that a lot of the, I guess you could say the council area where the council need to look after the grass and the parklands, I just noticed that it was looking pretty shitty and it's been looking pretty shitty for a fair while. And I've noticed that the times that they're mowing the lawns are getting further and further apart. And only a couple of weeks ago, I noticed that they were doing some concrete work. Well, actually, it was a couple of months they were doing some concrete work and it was about a five meter section of concrete, maybe a bit less. What had happened was the concrete had lifted up from the footpath and I had noticed that the council would come along and they'd sprayed yellow paint over it to mark it. Then it took months and then they came back and they dug up the footpath. And it just sat dug up for probably two to three months and nothing had changed. And I noticed myself getting really, really frustrated. And in the meantime, I noticed that the shrubs were overgrown onto the footpath. So most of the time when I go for a walk every day with Jess or when I go for a walk, I was walking partially on the grass, partially on the footpath because all the shrubs are overgrown. The area is looking like shit. Now, the house that we've got is reasonably expensive. I mean, it's probably in the higher percentile of the population. And so we live in quite a nice area where we pay quite a lot in council fees and we're just not getting looked after. Like it's not nice to go for a walk and to notice all the grass looking like shit, everything overgrown and the council not doing their job essentially. So anyway, I noticed I started becoming more and more resentful and frustrated. Then when the council came out and they fixed the concrete section, there was three trucks, about six council workers. Most of them were just standing around doing sweet FA. And I noticed myself getting more and more and more frustrated because I'm thinking, we're paying these motherfuckers to stand around and do jack shit. And if you speak to them, I guarantee they probably say that they're busy and they're productive. But if that was a private sector company, they would have probably done 10 times the amount of work as the average council worker. 
So I know that they're non-productive. I'm not even a concreter and I probably could have done the same job by myself that whole day that they were there. It was pretty, pretty poor effort by the council to manage their own teams and make sure that they're operating effectively. And I'm sure that most people out there who work in trade-based businesses know how unproductive and slow and how much they underutilize their resources in the council area. So anyway, I noticed myself getting really frustrated and resenting the council. I was thinking about it for a couple of days and I thought, you know, why does the resentment come up? Why do we feel resentment towards people? Why do we feel resentment towards councils and governments and so on? And it made me really think about the law of fair and equitable value exchange. And if you're paying council rates and you expect that the council are going to do their job and you create an expectation and they don't match that expectation, then you're going to create resentment. If you're paying all these taxation dollars and you expect that the government are going to look after the country and look after certain people within the country, but also as well to protect their citizens and so on, and that doesn't happen then it does create resentment within the population. And so I was really thinking about the law of fair and equitable value exchange. And I've spoken a lot about values before, and it's a really essential part of our Thrive Time event where I dive deep into values because it essentially is the filtration mechanism for human behavior. And so every human being filters their reality through their own individual values. And values are physical, tangible things. They're not something like kindness and happiness and all that shit which keeps getting preached all through the business coaching industry, which is fucking horrible because it doesn't help drive behavior in business. Values should drive behavior in business. In our own lives, values should drive behavior in our own lives if we set them up correctly. If we don't, then it doesn't help us to define our behaviors. Also, we're able to understand our self-sabotage patterns where we procrastinate and a whole bunch of other things. So if you get your values wrong and they are incorrect, which 99.999% of people who come to Thrive Time who say they know their values are normally using them incorrectly or they don't understand them correctly, which is the reason why they have these self-sabotage patterns, self-destructive behaviors, and they're not reaching their own potential. And the same with businesses as well. It's very, very hard to drive behavior within the business when the values are wrong or ineffective. And there's so many ways of figuring that out. Most corporate businesses or most businesses I go into, their values are incorrect and they don't drive behavior, hence why they don't really use them effectively. So anyway, coming back to the resentment part, what normally happens is I noticed that I was resentful to the council because I felt like I was providing fair value exchange to them or I was giving the council value through my council rates and they weren't returning the same amount of value in exchange. And to see council workers standing around and being unproductive or seeing the amount of people that are needed to do a job that in most sectors, like in private sectors, they would need one-tenth of the staff to do the same job in the same amount of time is very, very frustrating. And so I noticed that that had come up because of the law of unfair value exchange. I felt like I was being unfairly valued as a council ratepayer. And then it made me really think about governments and how people start to des despise and resent governments, especially when you see what's happening in Australia right now and in America right now, where police aren't getting given the power to police effectively. And so you've got juvenile crime rates going through the roof. You know, you've got people getting away with shit like protesters sitting in the middle of roads and blocking roads and the police aren't able to go up and do anything about it. Citizens aren't able to touch them because if you touch them, then it's assault. And so the citizens who are paying tax aren't getting looked after. There are a lot of people in our society right now who don't feel safe, who don't feel like they're being protected. Then you hear of corruption that's happening at the moment. And you know there's more and more stuff coming out about corruption, not only in other countries around the world, but also in Australia and America, where things are being dealt with underhand and politicians are sort of doing deals with friends or people that they benefit from. And so this creates more and more resentment through the population. And this is where you start getting riots. 
This is where you start getting people overthrowing governments. This is also where you start to build up resentment towards people around you or to the government and so on. Now, this can happen quite a lot in your own life and in business. If you feel like there is an unfair value exchange going on, like if you're a business owner and you're paying staff to do a certain job, there is an expectation there that there should be a profit margin on that work. Now, most employees don't really understand and you know, most business owners, I don't think, do a great job of explaining it. So it's not really the staff member's fault if they're not getting explained this. But for a staff member, let's say to earn $100 an hour, there is so much more expenses than just $100 an hour. And most staff think, well, if my charge rate is $100 an hour, therefore I'm worth $100 an hour. And that's not true. You're worth $100 an hour to the customer or to the business, but you're not worth $100 an hour as a staff member because the business has to pay tax. The business in Australia has to pay goods and services tax as well on top of the other taxes that they pay as well. Then you have things like electricity, power. You've got the other overheads, like every piece of paper that gets wasted, every paper clip that gets thrown in the bin. Now, these might not seem like a lot, but they stack up. You know, when someone goes and takes 15 pens and throws them in their bag to take them home to their kids so that their kids can have, you know, new pens at home, or, you know, you take a couple of notepads, that might not seem like a lot. But when you've got 100 employees, let's just say that the average staff member takes home $10 worth of stuff and you've got 1,000 employees, you've now got $10,000 worth of lost materials. So that stuff adds up quite quickly. Then you've got taxation. Then you've got the mistakes and the fuck-ups. Like I was listening to a podcast this morning, and someone said one of their staff members essentially made a million-dollar mistake. They didn't fire that staff member because they said that their staff member, it wasn't their intention to make that mistake, but they made that mistake and it cost the business a million dollars. Therefore, they've got to get that money back at some point. You can't just write it off and start again. That's lost money, so that's gone. And so when that's on your budget or on your forecast, that just gets written off. You know, there are a lot of staff out there resent the place that they work for because they think I'm getting underpaid. But when really they're not, a lot of people are actually getting overpaid. Depends on the profit of the business and the profitability. And I mean, there are definitely people who are getting underpaid, but there are definitely people who get overpaid. We've just gone through a stage in the economic cycle where people are getting massively overpaid. I know large organizations were just hiring staff and having them sit around and be unproductive because they were worried about not being able to hire staff. Those people are being massively overvalued. There were a lot of people out there who were asking way more than what businesses could afford. And so now we're going back through a bit of a tightening and a contraction and you're seeing the unemployment rate slowly start to creep up because businesses just can't afford to pay if the productivity is not there. And businesses need a profit margin in order to keep growing. So if you know the business wants to grow, they've got to keep investing current profits in order to get future growth. So even though it looks good on paper, it depends on what they're returning back into the business. Also, shareholders have to get paid back because they take risks. So as a shareholder in other businesses, I need to get paid back because I'm taking a risk in that business. And so therefore, I'm using my money as a way of helping them to grow, but I need to profit back because if not, it's not worth the risk. I might as well just keep the money in the bank. These are the things that need to happen that most people don't realize. And that's also why business owners can resent staff if they feel like staff are being unproductive. And you'll see that come out in destructive ways. Also, staff can start resenting the company when they don't understand the value that needs to be provided. So this resentment comes up in both staff and management or leadership or even owners when there is an unfair value exchange. And that's why I think that it's really important to tell staff or let staff know what it actually costs to have them in the company. For instance, like if you've got a salesperson and that salesperson is producing a million dollars in sales, they may need administration, then the product has to be delivered. So let's say the delivery costs 20% of that sale. So you've got 20% coming out there, then you've got 10% in administration costs. Then you've got 30% tax, 10% GST on top of that. Then you've got to pay superannuation. And you might have to pay a whole bunch of other things as well, like insurances and so on. 
So there might only be 15% in that. And then now the salesperson's getting 10%. There's only really 5% profit margin in that, which is 5% that the business can use for growth afterwards. Now, there are other business owners out there who don't necessarily take a paycheck. They just take drawings, which means that they don't get paid every week. They just take money out of the business, which is called drawings. So that might not be a lot left over in the business. So these are the reasons why people create resentment towards each other. Now, how do we deal with this? So normally what happens is when people start resenting other people around them, they can start to become what you could call passive aggressive. So they get passive first where they hold on to it and they go, it's not that big a deal. I'll deal with it later. And then they put it off. But then eventually they get really pissed off and oh, they start building up the resentment inside of them. And then you watch them, they just snap. I've had this happen before where a staff member will just come to work and they go, I'm leaving. And then you go, I thought everything was okay. And they go, nope, I'm done. I'm out of here. These things are pissing me off. And yeah, that's it. I'm done. I've got another job. So that's being passive aggressive. They didn't say anything three months ago, four months ago. And now they've come to work and they've already made this decision because they've just let that frustration or that resentment build up inside of them. And so they were very passive. And now the aggression part comes out when they're like, you know what, fuck it, I'm leaving, I'm out of here. Sometimes I've seen it in business owners, and I've been like this as well, where I will let staff get away with things and I'll build up resentment towards them. And then I find myself in a meeting where they're delivering more and more excuses. And I notice myself getting more and more frustrated until I just unleash. And I'll be sitting there going, but hang on, you said this, you said you're going to do this on this time. This is like the 10th time that this has happened. And I'm getting really, really frustrated with them. There are reasons for this, which I'll get to in a minute. But that was me being passive aggressive towards them was that I didn't pull them up the first time that they slipped. I let it go. I let it go. I let it go. And now I'm passive aggressive. So one of the things that comes up is that you'll notice that you start getting either passive aggressive towards people or you take it out in somewhere else. Like you might have a staff member that is non-effective at work, but you go home and now you're pissed off and you're frustrated around the kids and you find yourself snapping at the kids or snapping at your partner, but it has nothing to do with them and it has everything to do with you being passive at work. This here will eat away at you. And if you hold on to it, let's say you have that day at work where you're frustrated, you're starting to get resentful towards staff, or you might be a staff member and you're getting resentful towards your boss or your manager. And now you've gone home and you don't want to yell at the kids and you don't want to yell at your partner. You'll just keep that inside and it will slowly start eating away at you. And you'll get more and more angry, more and more frustrated, more and more aggressive. You'll start losing sleep. It'll start causing higher stress levels. It may affect your digestion. You know, you're in a sympathetic response right now. It's changing all of your hormonal states. These are things that aren't necessarily going to help you to live a great life. Now, why do these things happen? So let's talk about how to deal with them. So first of all, it normally comes through not setting clear boundaries or clear expectations. And that's what I noticed when I used to get passive aggressive with staff. I didn't have good leadership skills. I didn't have good management skills. I didn't even know what management and leadership was. I'd seen it from the outside. I had been managed by other staff or by other people years ago when I used to work in different jobs or even when I was self-employed, but working as a contractor through other businesses. I just watched how other managers managed and I replicated. And some of the managers that I worked with years ago were absolute douchebags. So I became a douchebag because I didn't know. I thought leadership and management was just, you know, if you needed to, you sort of push hard against staff or, you know, if they fuck up, you sort of give them a bit of a growling out. And that doesn't really help. It doesn't help. So I had to go back and I had to study leadership. I had to study communication. I had to study management. I had to learn about these things. This is why I spend so much time going over these principles in our Business Growth Odyssey program, because I know that most people who own businesses or who are even in a management or a leadership position, 
have never really studied leadership, management, communication, and how to effectively deal with other people around them to make sure that they're getting results, but the right results, not just results, but the right results. Because the staff member may feel like they're delivering great work, but they may not be delivering the results that the company needs or the management or the leadership team need. And so these are common frustrations that I hear every day when I'm speaking to business owners, where they feel super frustrated and angry at staff, but that's them not understanding how to manage and lead effectively. And so this creates that resentment towards staff, and that's not a good place to be in. Especially if you're a business owner, you're building a team of people around you. You need to be able to trust them. Trust is one of the most important things in business. If I don't trust the staff member, they're no good here. And if they don't trust me, they're no good here. I've had staff that have made major mistakes recently, and I've got their back. Like, And I've even had customers before who've said, this staff member did this and this and this, and they've been going nuts. And I've had my staff's back. I have to have my staff's back. I will listen to the customer, but I also know that they've been trained effectively in most cases. Sometimes it slips, but if the customer is attacking a staff member, I've got to have my staff's back. I also have to make sure that the customer is satisfied, but I have to let the customer know, you know, I will train them better. I will do better if we're at fault. But if the customer is just unleashing because they have unrealistic expectations, they haven't communicated something that's gone wrong or that they're frustrated with, and sometimes people just take shit out on you because you're the person who's there in front of them. And that happens. Sometimes, you know, customers say they want to grow their business, but then when they come in, they don't really want to grow their business because they don't want to do the work. They want to have more of a lifestyle. They want to make money without doing the work. These days, I'm really good at filtering out that stuff. In fact, I won't let people come into our business growth odyssey program who are like that because I've done it before in the past. And all it does is it creates chaos. And it's not fair on the customer. It's not fair on us as the business. So I've had to tell people that they're not ready or they're not right for our program and that maybe they need to go somewhere else just for those reasons. And I will offboard certain customers if they are just wrong for the program because they're not going to get results and they're just going to get pissed off because they feel like they're paying for something and they're not getting the results that they want. Now, it's probably not our fault. Like recently, I've had to offboard somebody and they are just unreliable. They are untrustworthy. They lie consistently. They're a business owner that says that they want to grow their business, yet every time I talk to them, they're in fucking chaos and carnage, and I'll give them advice and try to help them out and direct them in the right direction. But they don't do anything that I try to help them out with, and they try and do everything off their own back. But at the same time, I see them out every weekend. They're partying. They're traveling overseas and running amok and doing crazy shit and drinking all the time. And I'm like, you are essentially a walking time bomb. You are going to destroy everything around you, and I don't want you to be part of our community, so I'll offboard them. And the reason why is because I don't want to become resentful towards them or despise them as well. It's better off just offboarding them, saying, look, you go on your way, I'll go on ours, and that's it. Then you have a clean break in the relationship, you set boundaries, and then you need to move forward. Because if not, you'll become passive aggressive, and I've been there before and I don't like it. And you don't want those things eating away inside of you. If you're a business owner, or even if you're anyone who's driven, who is listening to this, you don't want your mind occupied by fucking clowns around you. You just don't want that. So I would rather get rid of a non-productive, non-effective customer who is taking up the majority of my mindset. So I can go back to focusing on inspiring growth-driven tasks that help the company to grow. I want to be able to help great customers that we have who are out there growing, who tell other people about what we do and are a walking example of what we teach, which is inspiration and growth and success and achievement. Because I know that other people are going to look at them and say, how did you get to where you've gotten? And they will direct people back towards us. In fact, the number one lead magnet that we currently have is our own community. They will tell people about what we do and they're the easiest people to sign up because they can already see the results in front of them through their friends or whoever are doing our courses.
Get ready business owners that make under a million dollars per year. I'm getting ready to launch my brand new online Dominate Zero to a Million Dollars Business Hub with the goal of giving small business owners what they need to grow their business past their first million dollars. With the tips, the tools, the processes, the frameworks and the trainings to scale their business past the first million dollars without wasting years and millions of dollars like I did with all the trials, errors and mistakes that cost me. This will give those of you out there wanting to make your first million dollars the fast track to scaling your business. Stay tuned for the launch. So. You want to make sure that you deal with that stuff straight up front. If you feel there's unfair value exchange, you need to tackle it straight away. And you need to do that by setting boundaries and having clear expectations up front. And so normally what I do now is, especially with staff, I create clear expectations. Every week we set clear expectations with the team. We work through something called PPFs, which I also go through in Business Growth Odyssey. And so a PPF is a personal, professional, and financial goal. So what are their goals for the next 12 months in their personal life, their professional life, and also financially? Because as a business, if we're growing financially, our staff deserve to be rewarded financially as well. If we're working together as a team and the business is growing, then there needs to be more growth opportunities for our staff. We also need to know where do they need to grow personally, but also professionally. You know, People don't just come to work because they want to work and grow the business and make the business profitable. They come to work because they want to grow as individuals. So we want to know what their personal growth targets are, and we help them to do that. But what we want to do is we want to make sure that they have clear expectations and we're setting clear expectations. And you do that through the job roles. You do that through their career progression. So you help them understand that. You do it through consistent training with the staff as well. These are things that help set very clear boundaries for staff. It is also important to set clear boundaries with your customers. If you're not setting clear boundaries with your customers, then your customers can turn around and say, well, I thought I was getting this, but I'm getting something else. And that creates a huge problem. You know, we recently had a marketing company, well, in the last 12 months, that we were working with. They told us we can generate all these leads. So we signed with them. We paid them a large amount of money. It was fairly large for us. And I mean, it's fairly substantial. You know, within three to six months, we paid them more than what most small businesses will earn in a year. And this clown just, he would do all these other things. And then eventually when I'd pull him up on it, like after three months, I said, you promised us leads. We've given you three months to gain traction. We haven't got any leads. And then he would pull up with, oh, but I did all this other stuff. And, and But they weren't generating the thing that we needed. So we didn't really make any money. But he said, oh, we're doing all this other stuff. That's a rookie error. If you're doing business with other business owners, they want outcomes, not tasks. So they don't give a shit about what you do. They care about what you deliver and how that helps the business to grow. So this is the difference between amateurs and professionals. Professionals deliver outcomes. Amateurs talk about how busy they are and the tasks that they're doing. If I'm going to pay a plumber, I don't care whether I've got to pay the plumber $1,000 for a day worth of work or $1,000 for a week worth of work. If someone is more productive and more effective and more efficient, they're going to charge a higher rate because they get the job done faster. I would rather have someone in my house for a day than have them in my house for a week. So if someone delivers a task faster, they deserve to be paid and rewarded for it. And a lot of amateurs think, well, if I'm doing all these tasks and I'm super busy, therefore I deserve to be paid well because I'm doing all this shit versus the outcome that gets delivered. And so great staff members deliver outcomes, great businesses deliver outcomes. They don't give a shit about the tasks. So this is really, really important when you're establishing boundaries and when you're setting clear expectations with staff or people around you. Because a lot of people will say, well, I'm so busy, look at all the work that I've done. But the work doesn't matter, okay? If you're shit at something, it's gonna take 10 times longer than if you're really good at something. Therefore, sometimes someone who's really good at something deserves to be paid because they're really good at something and they'll deliver it in a shorter period of time and they'll get the outcome that you want 
versus someone who's shit at something who's going to take 10 times longer. So being paid on an hourly rate is not necessarily the best for most people. In fact, I think it actually damages most people because they start relating the amount that they produce to time versus the outcome that they produce to time. So I would rather pay someone better for doing something in a shorter period of time than pay someone because they're just working hours. So this is setting your clear boundaries and expectations up front, especially if you're a business owner. Also not communicating effectively. You need to know how to communicate effectively. So asking the right questions, understanding people's problems, understanding what they're going through, understanding their challenges, and then working through those things. If you say you need something delivered and you expect that it's going to get delivered, but you haven't sat down and clearly identified what a project is, how long it's going to take, what the barriers and the obstacles are, then don't be surprised if you're starting to resent people around you because they're not delivering something in the time that you want. Back when I was a rookie manager and a rookie leader, I would get really frustrated at staff because I would be in a staff meeting and just blow out things like I'd say, hey, I need to do X, Y, and Z. And so I would communicate on the fly. And then staff would go, okay, cool. We need to work on this project because this is what Mojo just said. So they would rush off and start completing this task because I'd spoken about it. And a week later, I'd go, how come this hasn't happened? And how come this other project hasn't been finished? And they would say, well, we thought you wanted this done. And I would go, fuck, no, we need to get back and we need to finish off that task before we get this done. But first of all, they didn't communicate with me the amount of workload that they had. And I thought that they were already on top of the other project, which they hadn't. And so they were communicating in an ineffective way because they didn't communicate clearly with me about their workload. But also it was my fault because I never asked. I didn't sit down with them and create an effective project. We didn't create clear outcomes. We didn't create clear timelines. None of that stuff was clear. And this is the rookie mistake that most amateur business owners make. And most amateur, especially small business owners, are very amateurish in the way that they drive staff. So when I hear a business owner come up and they're like, you know, all staff are fucked. There's all these problems. There's all this chaos. You know, staff can't do their job. They're doing this. They fuck that up. When a business owner talks like that or when a manager talks like that, it is because they are normally ineffective in the way that they're communicating things. They're not setting clear projects. They're not effectively asking staff proper questions. So therefore, everything is just chaos. It's carnage. You can't do that. You've got to sit down and you have to manage projects effectively. So as you start to scale your business, you need to have proper project management tools. You need to have proper meetings in regards to what is coming up this week. What are going to be the roadblocks? What happens when a roadblock comes up? How do you communicate that effectively? Who do you need to communicate that with? These are things that need to happen in your onboarding process when you onboard staff so they know. They know how to deal with things. A lot of people will think that they're dealing with a problem, but they may not be dealing with a problem in the right way. So I think that most people go to work because they want to be productive. They want to be effective. They want to be efficient. I'll give them the benefit of the doubt. Now, there are some people out there who are completely incompetent. Actually, there are a lot of people out there who are incompetent at their role, but that doesn't mean that they're incompetent in total. It just means that they're in the wrong job. If you've got someone who is in the wrong job because of your hiring process and you haven't hired effectively, you haven't onboarded effectively, and then you don't have the correct management tools, then don't be surprised if staff are going to be chaotic. And if you don't have the right communication lines through the business, then communication is going to be chaotic, which then creates chaotic work. So what we need to do is we need to set out those things effectively and properly as your business scales. You can't do it straight away when you're a startup business because normally you're just flying around communicating, just trying to figure out what's working, what's not working. But over time, you need to put in those systems to do it effectively. And most business owners, as they scale, don't do it properly. This is why we spend a lot of time going through this in Business Growth Odyssey. So now, how do we deal with this? First of all, whenever you're communicating, if you don't want to resent people around you and you don't want to become passive aggressive, you really do need to set very clear expectations. So we set clear expectations by knowing exactly what you want and when it needs to be delivered by. 
I would highly recommend that if you're a business owner and you haven't read the book, Measure What Matters yet, go back and read Measure What Matters by John Dewar. It's all based on the OKR system of goal setting, which is objectives. That's almost like the outcome. What are we trying to achieve? And then key results. These are the key metrics that we are going to hit in order to achieve that outcome. And then from there, it gets broken down into implementables or tasks. Where most business owners stuff up is some people are outcome objective driven people. So I'm very much a big picture objective driven person. I know what we're trying to achieve. So sometimes in meetings, I can just say, here's what we want to do. This is you know, what it looks like. And so staff rush off and they start doing everything thinking that they're doing the right thing without actually setting clear key results as to by the end of this week, we need to achieve this target. Within two weeks, we need to achieve this target. This is what the monthly target looks like. And then keep people on track with those targets. If you don't do that effectively, then you have people going off in all different directions. You have other people who run businesses who are very task orientated. And so they're more worried about making sure that every minute gets squeezed out of the staff member and the employer or the manager knows exactly what every staff member is doing. They're trying to put as much pressure on to fill up every second of their day. That's a very task oriented business owner. When you do that, you may not get good results. You'll have busy people, but they may not be delivering good results because there's no outcome attached to it. And the outcome's not being reinforced, just like maybe the key targets aren't being reinforced. So the OKR system works really, really well. The other thing that you need to do is set clear metrics. Those metrics have to be very, very clear. So if you've got a customer service person, what are their clear targets that they need to meet? If you've got a salesperson, what are the clear targets? Is it calls? Is it conversions? What is it? And how do you measure it? How do you track it? This is why business owners normally get paid really, really well if they have a successful business, because this shit takes a lot of time to learn. It takes a lot of time to understand and it takes a lot of thinking. And as a business owner, if you're not thinking, other people in the organization won't think as deep as what you think. It doesn't mean that they don't think. It just means that they don't think at the same level as you think because you've got to think through the whole entire process. What can go wrong? What can go right? You've got to be partially optimistic, partially pessimistic. So these are all the things that you need to do as a business owner. You want to be thinking quite a lot. Now, if you're a startup, you need to be thinking and doing, which is quite tough. But over time, you start to develop these skills. If you've got this resentment, now I want to go back to the council situation. So how do you deal with it when I can't directly impact that? I can write a letter to the council. I can maybe get on the council board or something like that or become a council member. I could do that. But how do you deal with it when you've just got that resentment and that frustration? The first thing that you want to do is you want to go and grab your journal, which a journal, I've mentioned this before, but it is just essentially a little pad or a pad and pen. I always carry around like I think A5 little booklet. If you're watching on our YouTube channel, you can go and have a look. I'll hold it up so you can see it. But it's a little A5 book and it's just a lined book. And I write down my thoughts. I write down ideas. I write down different perspectives I have. And I also use it to balance things out. I use it to link. I use it to create new habits. I use it to create new behaviors. I go through a lot of this in Thrive Time and I talk a lot about journaling as well in our business growth odyssey because it's super important. And the way you use your journal will depend on how effective it is and how effective it works. What I would do and what I did do with the council situation was I went back to my journal, I grabbed it, and I wrote down, how does this situation benefit me? So I looked at the situation of the council members, you know, the three trucks and the six guys all standing around to do a five meter piece of concrete that took them two days to do it. And I wrote down, what's the benefit of that? I wrote down, what's the benefit of having a council that aren't really looking after the area that I live in. And what it did was it made me realize that I have a choice. I have a choice of how I can deal with the situation. Like I can write a letter or I can write an email if it bothers me that much. The other thing is I realized that it's just a frustration. It's not a real problem. Yes, I'm frustrated, but does it really change my life? And the answer is not really. 
The other thing that I realized was that just by writing down the benefits of this situation, I realized that within my own business and within my own organization, if you don't keep things tight, people naturally go to the path of least resistance. And if the path of least resistance is no work, then they will do no work. And so because I believe that most councils are mismanaged and are managed ineffectively, and people that are low-performing people in our society essentially get paid well to not do much, then they're naturally going to go to the path of least resistance. So if they can sit in a truck for three hours and scroll through their Facebook, they will do that. So if you don't have clear outcomes, clear expectations, and clear structures within an organization, then people go to the path of least resistance, which essentially is laziness or complacency or non-performance. So what it made me realize is that I need to tighten up the systems and the processes and the infrastructure within our own company to make sure that we're super tight and that we're super effective, but also to make sure that staff feel like productivity is the path of least resistance. So it really made me think better about my leadership and about our management within our organization. It removed that frustration that I had towards the council because I realized that I learned so much from their non-productivity. I hope that this helps. It's a little task that you may want to do. If you start resenting anybody or you start resenting anything around you, go and grab a pen and paper and write down how this situation benefits you and do it until you see that there are just as many benefits as there are disadvantages or drawbacks to that situation. What it does is it neutralizes your emotional state. So it doesn't occupy space and time within your brain. Because if I sat there all day and I was so frustrated at the council, I would keep thinking about it. But now that I've balanced it out, I don't have any real thought about it. It's just something that's happening. If it gets bad enough, I'll write a letter or I'll write an email or something like that and tell them that they need to improve it. If worse comes to worse, I can always create you know, my own group around the area that I live where we can go to council and complain about it. But really, is that my purpose? Is that my mission in life? Are these the things that are on my success map? And the answer is not really. It does frustrate me, but that frustration is also something that reminds me of what I need to do in our business to stop customers getting frustrated and stop our customers feeling like they're undervalued or things like that. Maybe not now, but maybe in the future if we allow things to slip. So I hope that this episode helps, especially if you're someone who does feel resentment towards your kids towards family members, towards your staff members, towards your boss, towards your manager, just go back and grab a pen and paper and write down all the benefits of that situation until it neutralizes. Now, it might be a bit of a squeeze because we're working with something that's more unconscious than conscious. So anytime you're working with unconscious processes within your own brain, it's going to feel like a little bit of a struggle sometimes. So you just got to keep pushing through it, stay focused, and you'll get the answers. And when you do, your brain will neutralize and you'll thank me for it later. Anyway, Driven Mofos, thanks so much for listening to this episode. I really do appreciate each and every one of you. I know most of you out there who are listening to this podcast really want to perform better, be more successful, and achieve more, hence why you're listening to this podcast. So I want to thank each and every one of you for being an inspiration to not only other members of the community, but also the people around you. Anyway, have a great day. Keep kicking massive goals, and I look forward to you joining me next time on The Underestimated Entrepreneur. Entrepreneur.